Howdy, folks, and welcome to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. This is the program where we look at issues and current events, particularly through the lens of the Green Party's pillars of peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. On today's program, we'll be joined by Gloria Matera, who is a leader for the Green Party of New York State and also serves as a co-chair for the National Green Party of the United States. I am very happy to tell you that we are going to make Gloria a monthly regular on this program. So the second Monday of every month, we hope to have Gloria in. So Gloria, welcome to A Green Way Forward. Hi, David. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, As David said, I'm Gloria Matera, currently co-chair of the Green Party of New York State and uh, co-chair of the National Green Party. And just a quick uh, little about who I am. Uh, I've been a radical political person for way back in my teens, but um, I would say that I started really becoming politicized when I started working in public health here in New York City and saw Even though we had an amazing public health system, it was starved of resources. Uh, The families we worked with, mostly poor, mostly immigrant, many undocumented, uh, got great medical care, but we could not really change their lives with poor housing, poor education, racism. Uh, The things that were happening, I'm sure, in in, in cities all over, and I'm I'm going back some years now, it's a few decades. Um, But watching that happen, I said, this healthcare system is awful. It doesn't care about people. And that really got me involved in the single payer movement. And I became a member of the Physicians for a National Health Program's uh, Metro chapter. I've been a longtime board member. I'm not a physician. I'm a child development, child life specialist. Uh, But that really introduced me to the fact that not only do we have to change this healthcare system, but we have to change this system. And that started to lead to more revolutionary politics, um, clearly becoming a socialist and believing that this system change has to happen. Uh, It's not just one issue, even though I continue to stay active in the single payer movement Uh, and then delving into electoral politics uh, with the green party, maybe back in 2000 uh, following Ralph Nader's campaign and helping out and running for office myself several times um, and doing really well and always calling myself a red green Uh, In fact, David, my 2001 uh, slogan was people's needs, not corporate greed. Um, I think we're still saying that. Uh, And, you know, kind of fast forwarding, I've been involved in a lot of of issues. Um, Eco-socialism is something that's really important to me. And that's something that um, David and I and others came together in the party for. So, you know, Gloria, before I have even said anything, we're already getting some really good questions and comments. So I will encourage viewers who are watching us live on Facebook, please do keep your questions and comments coming. Executive producer Michael O'Neill will harvest uh, some of those and feed them to me so I can ask Gloria. If you're listening on a podcast, uh, I encourage you to go, uh, actually everyone to go to the website, agreenwayforward.org and sign up so that you can get email announcements on who our guests will be, what programs we'll, we'll do. This, uh, our audience continues to grow because we are actually depending upon you, the ordinary folks. So uh, Bob actually writes in uh, with a very explicit and concrete question to you, Gloria. Like you, I consider myself a red-green, proudly so. Uh, I am a socialist. I am a Green Party uh, a member. Bob asks, how are we going to get socialism in this country? 
Wow, Bob, uh, that's a great question to start off with. And first, I want to say that is great uh, to have someone to say, I'm red and proud of it, and I'm green and I'm proud of it, because I think sometimes there's too much uh, pushing that dichotomy. You can be one or the other, and that is, I think, not true. Uh, you know, I, th- I believe in transformational politics, and I believe that electoral politics is a tool that we have as revolutionaries. I don't think it is the tool. I think we all know that the movement and people rising up and people saying they can't stand what is happening anymore, and I'm not going to say this is all about Trump, like people like to say. I think that we have to look at what's been happening decades and decades and decades uh, addressing the issues of racism in particular, you know, is a concern and I think is one of the things that we have to do. And I don't really have the answer on how we're getting socialism, but I think that taking on the powers, both electorally, and so that's why I think it is important in the states that you can do it to be a registered green. I tell all socialists, when I'm meeting with them, when I get a chance to share a space with them, uh, working together, whether it's an issue together or on a panel talking about the issues, I say, are you a registered Green? You should be because you should be running for office. You should be proud that you're a Green Party member, proud that you believe in system change, proud that you're a socialist. And I think as we do that, as we have seen in some local elections, that that makes a big difference. So Joe writes in to say no candidate should ever be elected to public office with less than 50% of the vote. We need ranked choice voting for all elections. Gloria, what's your personal position there? And uh, help us understand what the National Green Party's position is on ranked choice voting. Ranked choice voting is a a tenant in our platform. Uh, In fact, we've had some successes And the Green Party members in Maine have been really fighting on that issue and were successful and, in fact, successful several times when it was tried to knock that down. So there's ranked choice voting there in Maine. And I want to, you know, kind of hats off to our Green Party members who are part of that. But also, I think the important thing, in addition to ranked choice voting and something we're really interested here in New York City is proportional representation. Because, you know, right choice voting has its place and we're involved in that. We promote that here in, in my state. Uh, we know that actually if we had right choice voting, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to elect more Greens, but it is de- democratic. It is about the voters. And so we believe in that. But we do know with proportional representation, some of our city council candidates, myself some years ago, Lynn Serpy, uh, more recently Jabari Brisport, we would be represented as the Green Party in the New York City Council by the fact that we were able to pull in over 20% of the vote. And so let's let's keep our eyes on both those prizes when we're talking about electoral. electoral. I'm so glad you did that, Gloria, because uh, to me, uh, you know, thank you, Joe, for asking about ranked choice voting and lifting that up. It is a Green Party tenant. So too is proportional representation as our the need to change our voting system. But we know that to, to truly democratize elections, we're going to have to have access to the ballot and to the debates. We're going to have to eliminate uh, all of the special interest money in elections and have full publicly funded elections. We have to change these horrific racist uh, 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 laws that are, are being used to target uh, poor people and especially uh, 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 black and brown skinned people. Uh, and to deny them the ability to vote. So at the end of the day, one of the reasons that I'm a socialist is because I believe in economic democracy, 
But I also believe in electoral democracy. And I think that we should democratize elections just like we should democratize all aspects uh, of our society. Absolutely, David. I'm, I'm glad you brought that point up. And, and then thank you, Joe, for starting this conversation off. Um, it is really important that we look at different aspects of electoral reform, basically say we need to be in the debates. We need corporate money out of politics. We need um, access to um, public, free public media for all our candidates. It's no more buying votes. So, well said. So again, Gloria, I, I want to thank uh, those who are using the comments. Please keep them coming. We're going to go rapid fire and, and hit a couple of these. Jeff asks, Gloria, people are hungry for real systemic change in how politics are done. How do you feel we can get voters to look past the two mainline corporate parties and give the Green Party a serious look? I mean, that's a hard question, but and I thank you for asking it, Jeff. You're a co-chair of the National Party. Gloria, what do you think we could be doing to convince voters to give the Green Party a real serious look? Uh, I think we're honestly, we're not doing enough. Uh, Some of that, I will have to say, is lack of resources. But I also think it can be trying to find that balance between how do you build um, and keep the organizational structure uh, of a of a national party, and let's just remind people uh, who or who may not know, we're a national party, not in the same way as the Democrats and Republicans are the national party. Um, there's not a top down structure in the same way, kind of controlling everything that goes on, like the, a DNC. We are actually um, all our state parties have tremendous amount of autonomy. Um, and we are a federation in a way of state parties. And that means, as we're just talking about electoral law and the unfairness and the way it's used really to keep down uh, third parties, smaller parties, independent candidates, that's different in every state. And so that's a little bit of a challenge. Um, I do think that some, lifting up some of our candidates, and I hope we, we may mention a few later. Uh, I mean, you may have talked about them before, especially. Do it now, Gloria. Okay. Nothing like the president. Lift yeah. up a few candidates. Okay. So, in, you know, in California, we, uh, in, even though that, that really challenging top two uh, way of electing people, we have gotten three candidates past that. Uh, Kenneth Mejia, um, Rodolfo Cortez uh, Barragan. Um, and Laura Wells. And so I think that that shows when we lift up candidates like that, that the party, in my opinion, should promote, 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 put resources, resources, resources. I love every person who steps up as a Green Party member and runs for local office around the country. But I think if we really target and really lift up the kinds of candidates that are talking about System systemic change, who are showing that they're viable, who have really made the gains that Kenneth and Rodolfo and Laura have done. And right here in, in uh, New York State, a fellow socialist, uh, Red Green Howie Hawkins, uh, in fact, one of the founders of the Green Party, uh, is running for governor. Um, he's got a much steeper um, climb in terms of winning against Andrew Cuomo. Uh, people may know his name, uh, but each time Howie has run in that position, he has moved up his vote totals. He has moved the needle for what Democrats realize they have to do in response to what we're calling for. And I think those that's some of the uh, strategies. I think there are many more and we welcome hearing a lot more from our members. And thank you, Gloria, for that. And uh, I also want to say, from my perspective, absolutely, the Green Party has a critical role to play in electoral politics, running candidates for office. 
We are the Green Party. That is a unique thing that we in the Green Party can do for the movement. And, not but, and I believe we must be in the movements in between elections. We have to be fighting for immigrant rights. We have to be fighting uh, to close uh, ICE and deportation centers. We've got to be closing uh, incinerators. We've got to be in the struggle wherever people are. And then, as I say, be seen being green. We don't have to go to a picket line and necessarily uh, hand out voter registration cards, but you do need to wear your Green Party bin, you, pin. You do need to talk about the Green Party's fundamental principles and values and entice people in. I got to tell you, Gloria, we are having a lot of questions about Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, so I want to thank uh, William. I would actually run through a couple of these uh, clumped together uh, and then ask you to, to respond. William just asked broadly, how do you feel about Ocasio-Cortez? Lou Novak has written in to say, I believe Ocasio-Cortez's primary victory is a clear signal of change. Uh, Rico asks, what are your thoughts about uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez stealing the Green Party's message while claiming to be a progressive in, uh, inside of the anti-progressive uh, uh, Democratic Party? So there's a lot of conversation around Ocasio-Cortez and as a strategist, as an organizer, I want to ask you, what's your assessment of what we're seeing, uh, you know, in that race where Ocasio-Cortez has won the Democratic Party primary? Well, well thank you, uh, those who put out the questions, uh, or David highlighting some of them. So, you know, I'll start off general. Uh, I think it was great. Um, she was smart, personable. Uh, she worked really hard. Um, I knew a couple of her um both her campaign manager, who was the campaign manager for, Jar for Jabari Grisport, uh, which I only found out recently, but also uh, one of her campaign staff is someone I got to know through our Green Party candidate, Jabari Grisport, city council campaign. So interestingly, uh, those people were tapped um, by Alexandria. In fact, I met her during Jabari's campaign. So uh, nothing bad to say about her. And I would agree with Lou. Um, Lou Novak, yes, I think it is the sign of a change. Um, I think that the attention she's getting, uh, the fact that she will go to Congress. So let's remember that it's not just someone who is now won a primary and you're going to see what happens. Like it's even hard for me to think what will the shenanigans of either the Democratic or the Republican Party possibly be to stop someone to go to Congress uh, when that district is going to you know, be very heavily Democratic. She's got a wave going on. Uh, so yes, she's, a, she was a candidate on a corporate party ballot line. Uh, she calls herself a democratic socialist. Uh, that is important to hear. Uh, the fact that she is with the democratic party. I think that's part of the debate right now is what will that really mean? How will they accept her? How will they treat her? Who will be her base? Um, she came with a base. Uh, and really kind of grew that. And I think in, in, in many ways, like uh, Shama Sawant, she became uh, everybody's candidate, not just from the Bronx, right? Uh, Queens in the Bronx. She's now almost everybody's candidate who's on the left, uh, who sees this as a real breakthrough, getting rid of the old guard. Just recently on a political show I was watching, they were trying to say, wait, like, well, they were both progressive. So who was more progressive or does it matter what progressive? It definitely matters that Alexandria, not Joel Crowley, is going to Congress uh, next time around. And I think what we can really learn about this, because there's a lot to study, uh, I think dismissing her because she ran as a Democrat 
uh, is a disservice both to the work that the, that, that kind of young, vibrant, um, campaign team did. And also the fact that change comes in many different ways. And even though we have chosen, because we have uh, maybe long ago, David and I and, and others have been there, uh, uh, tried to reform or tried to see if the Democratic Party can change and said, nope, there may be stronger hearts uh, that are going to do that for now. Um, we should study what she did. What did her campaign team do? What was that district like? Are there districts that are similar that we can do that in, because I don't think that's an overall win, just if, even if she took her ingredients. But I think what we should be doing if we're serious revolutionaries and serious political analysts uh, who want to win elections, we should be looking to what exactly happened, what that district was and what that team did. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Margaret Kimberly, who is a Green Party member in New York and also a journalist with Black Agenda Report, writes in to say, to remind us that Ocasio-Cortez beat the white guy with more money. It's a big win, but we must also keep her honest and keep up the fight against the Dems who move further and further to the right. I also want to say that we do know that there are a lot of people in chat who are accusing Gloria of, quote, kowtowing to a sheepdog. So I think it's important that we uh, that we actually have a clear understanding here, folks, that the Green Party desperately needs to create a culture where there can be fierce political debate and disagreement without resorting uh, to the kind of closed-mindedness and my way is the only way. I want to just share with folks, Gloria, I hope it's not embarrassing to you, but you know, you and I actually uh, were on the uh, different sides in, within the Green Party uh, in 2004. Uh, I, you know, uh, was proud in uh, 2000 to manage Ralph Nader's campaign in Texas. I fi- I was the lawyer that filed the paperwork to have the Green Party acknowledged to be a national party. There's only uh, five of us in the entire country, Democrat, Republican, uh, Libertarian, Reform Party, and Green Party. There's only five national committees. I, I did the legal work for free to get us there. And yet in 2004, uh, I sought and won the Green Party's nomination, and I know you supported Ralph Nader's independent run. Uh, and we had some fierce uh, debate and disagreement there. Uh, and yet, I will say, Gloria, I always experienced you to be a person of integrity, uh, even as we disagreed. Uh, I never felt that you tried to shut down debate and discourse. Uh, and I really want to thank you for that. Uh, and you have we have we have become comrades and friends uh, in the movement, and I really want to underscore, folks, it's not that you have to end up having a love fest the way Gloria Matera and David Cobb ended up, but you damn sure have to be willing to make a commitment to comradely debate and disagreement. So, Gloria, I'm wondering, uh, how would you respond to somebody who says that your call to study Ocasio-Cortez and the fact that you see that as a positive development when somebody says that that position is, quote, kowtowing to the Democrats or being a sheepdog, what's your response? Uh, well, uh, total disagreement. Uh, I could say it could border on a little kind of maybe a sectarian outlook. But um, I understand that, uh, you know, there are a lot of issues, I think, that came up for for Green Party members. Uh uh, around around that election, right? I mean, uh, I I, I want to kind of come back into that Green New Deal kind of thing too, where people talked about that, but uh, in a minute. Um, but I think if you know, if we are students 
of uh, political history and students of, um, you know, you know, electoral politics, then how are we to see what we can do better? Um, Obviously, there were going to be some constraints on someone elected as a Democrat. And we don't know what those are going to be. Uh, we don't know if there's going to be people rallying around her. I'm not, certainly not bringing the Green Party or my my personal, uh, you know, involvement in cheerleading. But I think that any little change like that is a breakthrough. I think that makes people want to say, so what other candidates are out there that are not the white guy with all the money? So I'll tell you this, Gloria. Thank you for that. I also think, frankly, this idea that uh, somehow there's going to be a breakthrough without there being internal contradictions that manifest even within the Democratic Party uh, is kind of, frankly, magical thinking. Uh, you know, my read is that the Green Party is poised to grow. But if we take a sectarian, if you're not like, you know, I often say if you can only organize people who already uh, agree with you 100 percent, you're really not much of an organizer. I, I think that with the Green Party should be doing more political education. We should do, be doing more study. We should be involved more in day-to-day struggles of actual ordinary people's lives. And we need to be identifying candidates that can run. And I also want to go to Natalie, who writes in, I think, with a, a very provocative idea. Natalie says, with the way the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, rigged the primary and then even taking uh, Gore Bush into consideration, I feel, this is Natalie speaking, we can't expect to vote our way out of a completely corrupted system. It's been nearly five decades and people like the Kochs have been very busy buying judges, politicians, and legislation of their choice. I feel, says Gloria, or says Natalie, that nothing short of a general strike will force the greedmeisters to step down. What are your thoughts, Gloria Matera? Well, as a longtime socialist and a, a number of those years spent um, in an organized socialist group, the general strike, of course, was always a topic of conversation. Uh, and so, you know, I I think that that uh, if maybe if we unpack that more a little bit, um, I think that what we have seen in other countries where labor is strong, and so a labor party or a labor back party of trade unionists. Um, shut down the transit system uh, or shut down the, the, you know, the postal system uh, and make gains. And, and, you know, I would like to see that happen here in this country. Uh, I don't think we've really come very close to that in a, in a very, very long time. I think that that is also a big piece. David referred earlier, um, you know, electoral politics is a, is a tool running, running candidates, running revolutionaries in elections. You know, Eugene Debs did that, but also, it's building the movement, and, and obviously a big part of the movement is the organized trade union movement. It's just they are also under attack, uh, and laws here that really prevent that from happening. And so I think always in the back of our mind, the more people, the more workers, but also the more oppressed people who kind of basically, you know, whatever it is, put down their dish towel, put down their shopping cart, put down their you know, uh, their hammer and all those kind of things say, I'm not doing this for those people anymore, right? Uh, it's, it's always an ideal and always something to work towards, but I think we're far from that. But I, I do think in looking at the, the droves of people that have come out, not just about children being separated from their families, which of course is, is tragic and, and, and appalling, and of course it's been happening, 
uh, you know, for hundreds of years in this country in different, in different ways, but also just the idea when people came out. I remember when the first, uh, you know, wave of people coming and shutting down airports. We were shutting down airports around the country simultaneously in that day in January. And that felt really good. And I think it staved off some, uh, some decisions for a while. I think it ignited more people. But I think the question, and that came earlier, is how do we get socialism here? How many more people can we educate? How many more people can we trust? And if an Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez got another group of people interested in what's a democratic socialist and how did she win against that guy? And, and what about her platform, which, you know, was, uh, was a progressive platform? Then that's building it, you know, person by person, small group by, by small group. Uh, by no means do I think that her win is a big watershed. I do, I don't think that there's going to be any real big change in the Democratic Party. I think it's going to be breaking away pieces, uh, from the Democratic Party that we're going to be seeing. And are we going to, are we ready to be the, the, be the place? When we say Dem exit, we have to be ready for green enter. You know, Gloria, I really appreciate you saying that because, you know, like you, I am a believer in political education and study. I don't think you can actually, uh, like, no matter what activity you're doing, if you have not engaged in study, not only of history, but of a theory of social change and theory of struggle, uh, then you are just doing things. And if you win, it'll only be by accident or good luck. Of course, theory and study without action is mere contemplation. The praxis of actually doing study, making plans, trying to implement the plans, and then going back and reviewing them uh, is the key. I will say, uh, Lauren has written in with a, uh, I'll ask if you could just very quickly address this idea. Uh, Lauren says, most people in the Green Party that I know are really uh, love their local Green Party, but think that the national level is not abiding by the party's values. Can you please address this? I know that's pretty wide open, but you are somebody who's active at the local, state, and national level, and I'm wondering if you can just touch on what your perspective is. And we will have you back and go a little deeper on this, but I want to give Lauren the the, uh, the, the respect for at least – touching on this provocative question on this show. Thank, yes. Thank you, Lauren. And that, that is a big question. Um, I think, you know, I've only been on the national committee. Uh, this is I'm just kind of going into my finishing my first year. Uh, that was something I decided I wasn't going to do for a long time because I do love my local and I love my state. Uh, and I think, you know, New York has done a lot uh, in terms of our green party work. Um, I think the national party, you know, there's a lot of focus on, the running of the national party, the rules of the national party, uh, being able to take all these different states and kind of figure out how they come together with, to be honest, not having the kind of authority that, um, you know, more a top-down party would. And I'm not saying I support that, but I do support the idea of as like, is the national green party can be a membership party. You know, can we pay dues to our national party? And so each individual green says, I belong to that nationally. I'm investing in that. And therefore, there's a say that I'm going to have in that. And right now, we don't have that. Some states have that. That's not universally accepted at this point in the national. But I think it's we're kind of a, a bit of a hybrid 
a hybrid animal. Uh, I think people who have the time to be involved in writing lots of proposals, particularly when they're around organizational kinds of proposals and uh, kind of dissecting the rules and seeing how we do that. And, and let's just say when you're, when you're an electoral party, a lot of your life is governed by rules and they're not rules that you want. Uh, and we talked about democratizing elections, but they are rules that you're a Secretary of State or Board of Elections has put in there. And we're almost sometimes get maybe a little myopic about that because we have to do that to get our candidates even in the door, even noticed on the ballot. Those are sometimes tremendous efforts. Um, so, you know, as a one person member of the steering committee, I mean, listening to Lauren, uh, you know, I try and will continue to try to do uh, my part to see, well, how does how does the National Party become more lovable to Greens around the country? Uh, and I love more feedback if people. And well, you know, Gloria, for David's show, we are absolutely excited. Uh, Michael O'Neill, executive producer, and I are really excited to have you as a regular guest second Monday of every month that you're available. We're going to make uh, this platform, a Greenway Forward, open for this kind of conversation. I also uh, uh, want to ca- catch a couple of more uh, points here. Chanel writes in to say, uh, uh, back to Ocasio-Cortez, she says, but honestly, when somebody using the Green New Deal line wins on the Democratic Party platform the way Ocasio-Cortez did, it literally costs us people who would otherwise be going green. They now feel like Dem enter strategy is worth doing. So I want to say, if I can, Gloria, and then I'll invite your uh, response. Uh, you know, Chanel, I, I don't disagree with what you've just said. And what I would say is the reality is that Ocasio-Cortez and her supporters are trying that strategy. Uh, it's not a strategy that I am pursuing, but I'm going to try to engage them wherever I can. So ne- like naysaying them, I think that what they're going to find is pretty quickly they're going to bump up against the limit of, frankly, the capitalist commitment that the, the Democratic Party has, not just at the leadership level, but really the entire party is committed basically to upholding capitalism and imperialism uh, and a foreign policy associated with it. So what I'm trying to do is engage those folks to say, I think you're making a tactical mistake, but I'm not going to turn you into my enemy if you want uh, as a red to, to engage the Democratic Party. Because, and here's my, here's my line, Gloria, when you go green and you will, then I will not say I told you so. And I want to actually make it easier for them to have their process and come along. So that's how I think about Chanel's sort of uh, correct assessment uh, that uh, it makes people think Dem enter strategy is worth doing. What are your thoughts, Gloria Matera? Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from on that, Chanel. I mean, I will say that please follow Howie Hawkins, uh, the Green Party candidate for governor on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, on our website, on his Facebook and website, because uh, Howie sent out basically um, that Ocasio-Cortez won on the Green Party platform. He said, so, so So check that out. And that's what we believe. She won on that platform. Um, the fact that she uh, wasn't opportunistic. Uh, did you know, that I, you know uh, we also went to Howie, our expert, and said, so what about this Green New Deal that she's using? Um, and Howie kind of talked a lot about the history of that. Maybe we could address that on another show. It's kind of not invented um, by Howie or even invented in the Green Party here. Uh, but we know we feel we own that in a way 
that we articulate what that really means. And so I think that's the difference. When asked what the Green New Deal is and how is she going to make that happen, well, then it's really talking about system change, transformational politics, socialism outside the two corporate parties. And so that's where I think we pay a lot of attention and we speak up uh, when we feel like the Green New Deal or other platform planks that we hold dear and that we really believe we are going to promote when elected to office are really not, are, be, are being co-opted. Right now, we don't really you know what to say about it at this point. Folks, you're watching and listening to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. We're speaking with Gloria Matera, longtime social change agent, like me, an out-red green member. Gloria is a leader in, in, in her local party in New York City, but also a leader in the Green Party of New York State and a national co-chair. I do want to make sure to invite everyone watching or, and or listening to us on the podcast to the Green Party's uh, annual national meeting in Salt Lake City coming up. And Gloria, I'll invite you to invite people as well with some of the particular logistics on how people can come and participate, even if they don't happen to be a national committee delegate. Absolutely. There's a lot for the public uh, to come to the uh, annual national meeting, Salt Lake City. It's starting on the Thursday, July 18th, running through that Sunday. And in fact, we're going to be, you know, the openings and a lot of our workshops and plenaries are open to the public. Our fundraisers open to the public and our meet and greet. We're going to open in a very kind of communal um, you know, connected to the earth, uh, Native American ceremony on Thursday. And then we're going to have this, um, a wonderful speaker, Chase Iron Eyes, who, uh, from the Standing Rock uh, Sioux Tribe, uh, one of the main, you know, organizers, agitators, uh, a, a politician, a lawyer. Chase is right now going to be coming up on trial because he refuses to plea bargain. Uh, with the charge against him inciting to riot. We know that people were fighting for their lives and fighting for their land, not rioting at Standing Rock. And so Chase will open our meeting uh, and introduce a, a wonderful film called Dawnland. People should look that up. It's going to be opening and premiering in a lot of different places, and we're so lucky to have that. We'll have workshops on uh, real practical things like how to be a treasurer, how to run for office, social media. We're going to have things on issues that you care about, uh, Ranked choice voting, uh, public education. We're going to talk about real um, important issues of the day with uh, union leaders from the Teamsters. Sherry Honkel is going to be there uh, talking about the Poor People's Campaign. We have a lot of things going on. I think it would be appealing to a lot of different people. Our candidates will be there, both from Utah and from around the country. So there's 150 people registered so far from 33 states, but there still is room. So if you go to gp.org, uh, just take a look and and sign up uh, for one, two, or the whole time. That's fantastic, Gloria. Thanks so much. And I'm very excited that Chase Iron Eyes uh, accepted the invitation to come. Of course, we had him at Occupy Inauguration. Uh, he was, as you mentioned, at the Standing Rock uh, Uprising uh, and a leader there. He is a lawyer, uh, an indigenous uh, person, and just really a powerful figure uh, calling for transformational change. Uh, and on that note, I want to touch Toby's question. Uh, what are we going to do about the current status and predicaments of the Environmental Protection Agency? And I think that Toby's question really underscores something. Look, Scott Pruitt is a like a uh, just horrific. A, a, and there's no doubt 
uh, on the one hand, I felt a little surge of pleasure uh, in knowing that his resignation was forced. And at the same time, I know that the replacement will be just as bad, uh, that the problem, yes, the problem is not just Trump, it's an entire system, but the Trump administration is in power. And we've, in my opinion, Gloria, we've really got to be more militant and more disruptive. Uh, and we have to tell the complete truth, which is to say, of course, Trump and the Republican, this brand of Republicans are actually, quote, worse than the Democrats. But from my position, they're both terrible. We need to actually be able and willing to have a scathing critique against both the emerging neo-fascism and the neoliberalism that created it and call for something new. I'm wondering what you think about Scott Pruitt uh, and that kind of, uh, should we celebrate his departure? What do you think? Well, I, I like you, there, there is that moment of like, yes, when it happened. Um, but I, I also agree that, you know, who's up next? Uh, it is the system. It's, it's keeping uh, the environment last, you know, kind of taking the resources, not only in, in this country, but in many other countries, which of course is why people are fleeing their countries. Most people really don't want to leave their children or their family uh, and take dangerous treks across, uh, you know, across different countries to come here. Uh, it's because of what the United States government, Democrat or Republican, has done to the resources in countries rich in resources um, that but don't have the, maybe the technology at this point or the ability to be able to use that and just comes in and kind of forces their way onto the people, onto the land. And so I think that you're right. We need to say this is an awful administration and they will continue to put awful people in place. But what created this? You know, what what neoliberal policies and, you know, basically the corporate greed, the capitalism, that is what it really is. And, you know, both parties um, are are really the same when it comes to that, I want to say. They are capitalist parties. They are only interested in capital and making money. People don't matter. The planet doesn't matter. Um, you know, we can obviously look at things on social issues and this and piece and that piece. But what we basically want to say is we're challenging capital challenging capital when we run independent candidates and we're, you know, not going to sugarcoat what some of the Democrats have done over the years to get to this point. So Gloria, the time, our time has just flown by. Uh, I do want to give you an opportunity for any closing thoughts. Uh, Just, I'm so happy to be a part of this. I um, uh, thank you for the questions. They were challenging and thought provoking. I'll still be thinking about them uh, for people that have been in. I want to encourage people again to go to gp.org and think about our uh, annual meeting, but also just kind of explore the Green Party. See what we have to say. Look at some of our candidates that are really emerging right now. Look at some of our our thought leaders. Um, I think that it's a good place for revolutionaries to be. I think when you're, when you're doing electoral work, don't be afraid of electoral work. It's not the most important thing, but it is, um, a lot of us like to say, it's a tool. And we need to use that tool. Uh, and we need to use it more effectively and um, more intelligently and more strategically so that the next big upset is not an upstart out of the Democratic Party or even from Democratic Socialists, which is a little different than being a socialist, a uh, Marxist, but uh, is, is a green 
is electric green uh, with, you know, solid red credentials behind them. That's fantastic. And what a wonderful way to end this program. So I want to thank Gloria Matera for joining us on this program. As always, a thank you to Michael O'Neill, executive producer who makes this program go as an unpaid volunteer every week. But most importantly, I want to thank you, the viewer slash listener. If you're watching live on Facebook Live, please do share this. Uh, Even if you're watching it uh, and it's not live, remember, you can still share it on Facebook. I also want to remind you that you can get this program on uh, iTunes. Uh, We are developing ever more platforms for this podcast to be available. If you go to the website, agreenwayforward.org, you can download prior uh, podcasts and listen to those. In addition to that, you should sign up uh, for our weekly email update about who our guests and or topics are going to be. And lastly, remind you that this audience is growing because of you. You are sharing it. You're sharing podcasts. You're sharing the live stream. And with a hat tip to Gil Scott Heron, remember the revolution may not be televised, but it will be brought to you over sources of non-corporately owned media content. Yes, I understand the irony of using corporate platforms like Facebook or Google or Gmail or what have you, but the content of this program is revolutionary, and I want to thank you for being part of it. Let's keep going. Keep on keeping on. Peace. A Greenway Forward is produced by David Cobb and Michael O'Neill. Go to agreenwayforward.org for links to our podcast feed and iTunes subscription, plus more ways to listen. Our live stream is graciously hosted by the official Dr. Jill Stein Facebook page on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. The music for this episode is Keep Sit Real by Player 2, available under a Creative Commons license from the Free Music Archive.